Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 20% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP9. This week on TWIP, Olympus releases the OMD EM1, Apple unveils the newest addition to the iPhone dynasty with the 5S and 5C, Sigma's new camera mount conversion service, also an interview with the godfather, Mr. Rick Salmon. It's Wednesday, September 11th, 2013, and this is TWIP. Welcome back to TWIP. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Joining me today to discuss the topics of the week and more are Miss Valerie Jardin, or Jardin, or however you want to pronounce that, and Ron Brinkman with two N's. Valerie, one day I'm going to get your, your name right, I promise. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, guys. How are you doing? Hey. Great. Hey, how Hello. are you doing? Long time. Uh, I'm doing great. Yeah, Ron, I think you're, you're, you have the honor of being the person that hasn't been on the show in the longest amount of time. What's going on Months. in your world? I did some traveling. I went to several places in Asia, including Singapore and Jeez. then Borneo. Uh, saw some orangutans. Um, got engaged. What? Wow. What? Oh, he puts that at the end. How does how does getting engaged rank below seeing orangutans? Oh, that's uh, that's the uh, you know final little bit of the story. We were done seeing the orangutans, and I figured you know. Wait, were you in front of the orangutans and you dropped down on one knee? Is that how it happened? No, we were actually uh, in this little island off the coast of Borneo, which is already an island in, uh, you know, tropical paradise sort of a setting. Look at that. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Wow. Uh, well, well, that's. I think that news kind of trumps everything that we're going to talk about on this <laughs> show. <laughs> Wait yes. a minute! It wasn't a shotgun engagement, was it, Ron? Nope. No, okay. there's no, no little bambinos on the way that I know of. All right, but, but you uh, know of. I like the little asterisk <laughs> at the end of that. <laughs> None that I'm claiming. Yes. That I'm a... Right. Cool. Uh, no. So now I'm in. So you know, post that. What have I been up to? Is nothing but wedding planning because we're actually doing it pretty quickly. So. Ooh. So you're going to be uh, looking for a wedding photographer. We should make an announcement. Yeah. Well, we can. <laughs> we're we're doing it. We're actually getting married in Hawaii and oh, wow. um, the the in on Kauai and the resort that we're at sort of has a small list of approved photographers. So oh. we don't have a whole lot of leeway for some of this. But I tell you, man, I. Uh, but your engagement always, photos, you could hire somebody local, right? That's, I, I doubt we'll even do them, though. I just, with all the crap we got to do, I don't think we'll even do engagement photos. You're getting off on the wrong foot already, dude. Look at that. <laughs> dude, you know, I... <laughs> with all the crap we got to do, what is this? <laughs> you know, we, we all... We're going to buy a ring now and... <laughs> what was no, kissing? No, that, too. <laughs> but, you know, we, we've all been on the side of the photographer where we have these discussions and it's always like, uh, oh, people don't cheap out on your wedding photographer. Don't, uh, you know, get somebody good. And, <laughs> and you know, it's suddenly, you know, suddenly, dollars for a disc doesn't sound too bad about this. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, you know, when you're looking at $10,000 for, uh, the, you know, all of your wedding photography costs, that ain't cheap. Uh, it ain't cheap. So, 
And, you know, I get it, but it's a large percentage of the wedding, and obviously it's important, and I want to have it, you know, good. Yeah, and good well, hey, and you waited this long, Ron, and you only get married <laughs> once. Come on. You know. I know. And, and so I'm not saying I'm not going to do it, but still, writing that check is, that is a chunk of change. I got to say. Valerie, do you hear this? So... Not only did the engagement come after the orangutans, he's already talking about cheaping out on the wedding. <laughs> nah, absolutely not. But uh, all I'm saying is, you know, in the past we've always been like, I mean, our, our listeners would talk about this, right? We'd be like, suck it up, just pay for it, get yeah. somebody good. Yeah. But I'm just saying I have a little bit more sympathy for everybody else that has gone through a wedding. You know, if it was just the cost of the photography, that'd be one thing. It's like, great, this is good. But then, you know, it's like every time you turn around, I mean, the wedding industry is such a cash machine anyway. And anytime oh, yeah. they see you coming, it's just like, you know, I'd like to rent this hall for a business meeting. Okay, that'll be $1,000. I'd like to rent this hall for a wedding. Oh, that'll be $10,000. <laughs> What's the difference? Well, you're having a wedding. Well, I think you just saw you just cracked that nut. Just call mm -hmm. it a business meeting, you know. Yeah, that's exactly. what it is, right? You know. <laughs> yep. It, because yeah. in the end, you're getting married. Oh no, you're getting married in Maui, so it's not a half thing at the end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In Kauai, actually. Yeah. Or yeah, uh, Kauai. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, welcome back, dude. It's uh, that's great news. Yeah. Congratulations, and welcome back. It to is. The show. It's very exciting. So. All right. Yep. Well, Valerie, busy, what's uh, what's happening on, in your neck of the woods? No engagements, right? No. Um, but I'm uh, getting ready to leave again in about three weeks. Um, two more work, two more workshops in France. Um, I have wow. one this weekend in Minneapolis, and I just announced the 2014 workshops, most of them, which includes France, Australia, and the U.S. and there, uh, one of the exciting uh, workshops that is new next year is uh, you've interviewed James Mayer from New York, the street mm -hmm. photographer. Mm -hmm. We're getting together and co-leading a street photography workshop in April in New York City. So that's um, that's pretty exciting. That's cool. And yeah. what camera are you going to be shooting? Is it is it that We're Fuji? Both well, yeah, actually, James just got his yesterday, so we're both going to be shooting um, street photography with the with the X100S for sure. Wow, yeah. look at that! And he's I same as you same just... as I I am. He was shooting with a 5D Mark II or three, and then um, switched to the Fuji for street photography. I mean, you can't can't beat that. And yeah, I, yeah. Watched, I watched I um, watched Doug um, Doug's review on it. Oh, you watched our uh, All About the Gear episode? Yes, yes. Did you See, agree with what I, he was saying? Can you believe I actually watched something that's all about the gear? I did. And I almost <laughs> because it had, when I heard it my had name. Fuji in it, that's why. <laughs> yes, and uh, and I, I, I agree with most most of what he had to say. So it was interesting. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, to listeners, check it out. It's, uh, it's online, actually, on my YouTube channel, All About the Gear. Um, there's a playlist there right now. We may make it into a full podcast uh, but right now it's a it's a YouTube show so definitely check it out it's just Doug and I Doug K and I sitting down and talking about a piece of gear that Barl lenses through the uh, the graces of their gigantic gear locker sent over to him to play with for a week or so then we uh, I pepper him with questions about how good it is what the good bad and ugly is and we go from there so it actually works fun Cool. All right, guys. Let's uh, let's jump into the show. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about is speaking about gear. This is going to be a gear show. I feel it. Um, mm -hmm. Olympus. So Olympus released the OMD EM1. So this is the next iteration of the OMD. So this guy that I have right here that I am madly in love with. This is the. Uh, oh, check this you is, out. I, I love this thing, that. dude. Huh? When did you get that? 
Well, yeah, I haven't had this for like three months now, I think. So, oh, okay. Wow. And this is my favorite camera of all time. I love this thing. So my, it's the, uh, it's the predecessor to this, to this, uh, this EM1, right? So, mm-hmm. what I want to tell, so let me just run down the specs real quick before we dive into what the, what that camera is. And I'll preface all of this with none of us have touched this camera yet because it was just released. We've been watching YouTube videos about it and reading articles, but none of us have held it in our hands like this to, uh, to actually form a substantive opinion about it. But we can. We can speculate and hypothesize all night long. That's what <laughs> so we do. This thing has a 16.3 megapixel sensor, um, and I'm just going to skip through these. I'm going to read everything. You can read the exhaustive list on their site. Um, 6.5 frames per second. It's got a, a new dual-fast autofocus system that allows for quick autofocusing, uh, and that seems redundant. Um, 1080p, 30 frame per second video, which seems standard now. A better, quote, electronic viewfinder. Not sure what that means, but, you know, maybe brighter or larger. It's got an upgraded 5-axis image stabilizer. So this camera, the, the, the current Olympus MD that I have has, and all of them, not just mine, have a built-in image stabilizer in the body, which is just insanely fantastic. So whatever lens you put on here the image is stabilized and for both still and video. One of the things I heard about this camera, though I'm not sure yet, um, is there may be some differences in there. I don't know, but we'll dive into that. The new one has built-in Wi-Fi. So this one has built-in Wi-Fi through the graces of iFi and their Mobi card, but the new one has built-in Wi-Fi. It's got a dedicated HDR button that I'm kind of on the fence about. I don't know if I want that mm-hmm. dedicated. And it's got a freeze-proof body guaranteed to shoot at temperatures down to 14 degrees. Again, California. I would use that. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where in California it might get down to 14 degrees. It will in Minnesota. If I travel, you know, it might might do that. So the price is the crazy thing. So <clears throat> it comes in at... $1,399 or $1,400 for just the body, and $2,200 when purchased with their 20 with their 12 to 40 millimeter 2.8 kit lens, and it's supposed to be released or available for you to purchase it next month as we record this, which will be October. Valerie, looking at this crazy specs, it's awesome. You've seen the camera, you see the new form factor. They went away from this kind of retro styling, which I still love of the, you know about this camera one of the reasons why why Bothell MD was the the retro fashioning of the the industrial design they changed that a little bit what do you what do you think overall after after hearing those specs well actually the the change in the looks of it i think is kind of a shame it kind of it, it looks a little boring um mm-hmm. compared to the the one you have i think mm-hmm. um but um I think all those things are like the built-in Wi-Fi. I mean, that's going to be in every camera coming out mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm. So um, everything else, well, I can't really compare because I don't know what the other one is like. But yeah. um, I could use the the freeze-proof. Uh, living in Minnesota, where we have 14 degrees or below. You're never there. Six You're always in Paris. And when was the last <laughs> time it froze in Paris? <laughs> well, no, but it gets cold here, so that is actually kind of kind of a good thing. Um, I don't know either about the de- dedicated HDR button. I don't get too excited about that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but hey, we I think we need to embrace the new technology, and uh, whether we're going to use all of it or not, it's there and it's available and whatever. Yeah, no question know. that this is an this is an upgrade. But like you said, I, I don't know, and I haven't held it, so maybe I'll fall in love with it if if I hold it. But industrial design wise, I I would have rather that they stuck with the OMD. Mm-hmm. 
look, that classic kind of look. You know, you know, and you with your Fuji, of course, you're in love with that look now. Yeah. So I don't know, Ron Brinkman. What do, what do you think? Is this is this incremental or revolutionary, or is it if you're if like me, if I have the OMD already, should I just be like, yeah, whatever? Probably yeah, whatever. I, I don't know. I think it's a nice upgrade. Uh, I have not bought into one of the smaller camera systems yet, so I'm still I'm definitely looking at this as potential option. Uh, it actually bumps me out because it's a little bit larger than than what you've got there. Yeah. And you know, part of the reason to buy into the Micro Four Thirds is because you want it to be small and, and portable. Um, you know, uh, allegedly the focus speed is dramatically improved, and uh, that's certainly worth something. Um, you know, image quality. I haven't really. I don't think there's really tests out there that people have gotten to yet since it was just released. So I don't know. You know, I'm. I am still and and have been for over a year sitting on the fence between which one of these smaller mirrorless camera systems I should be looking into. So. But it does look know. big, and I mean, it has that huge grip, which actually looks yeah. really comfortable. Um, mm -hmm. Ergonomically, it looks really nice. Uh, but yeah, it looks really big, and it has a touch screen, so that has to be pretty big too. Right. Yep. Well, no, yep. this this the one I have. The OMD is has a has a touch screen as well. The current okay. OMD has a touch oh. screen as well, and it's uh it's just you know it's just a regular size. So, no, yeah. that is yeah, but this that is, is large. Yeah, it's noticeably larger. I'm just looking at some shots compared to yours, and that I mean, that, especially the the hand grip is is a lot bigger. But everything is just a little bit bigger. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, the the the, the Micro Four Thirds system is you know, buy into it both because of the nice little cameras and the wide variety of really good lenses that are there, and uh, so I think it's still a pretty strong contender. So you said, Ryan, you said you're you're kind of looking. For your yeah. for a smaller camera, would this be a contender of it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I've sort of, you know, it was. I swear, every time I'm ready to take a big trip, I, I'm like, ah, oh, I've got to buy a new camera, so I'm going to buy into one of these things, and then I get crazed doing stuff, getting ready for the trip. And I mean, the trip to 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 Asia and Borneo and everything came about kind of quickly, and so I didn't manage to buy anything before that. So now I'll probably wait until I've got another trip coming up, and then be in that oh crap moment of. I need to buy something and then not get around to doing it. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of waiting to see what Sony comes out with as a next generation high end as well because, you know, it's a really it's a big sensor, uh, but it just, it doesn't have the lens selection that the Micro Four Thirds have. So they go back and forth on that a lot. You mean on the on in the Sony NEX series? Yeah. Yeah, the NEX stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the you know yeah. it's like there's there's these trade offs, right? I mean, there's trade offs in everything. It uh -huh. depends on what you what you need it for. Now, in the last show, I mentioned I, I have a Sony NEX 5R, which is a consumer-level camera, but it's still... Mm -hmm. It's a consumer-level ca level camera with an APS-C size sensor in it, so it does some insanely cool photos in this tiny little impossible package. So I love right. that. But again, then again, you know, I am in the, the Micro Four Thirds world with this guy with OMD. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, and I have a bunch of lenses for this already. So it's not like you know, it's it's definitely an investment. The choice that you make, but the choice, I don't think it's like you could make a bad choice at this point, especially if you're considering Panasonic, Olympus, or Sony, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, I yeah, think, I think what you should do, Ron, is rent, right? <laughs> yeah, it's probably true. It's probably a, a really good way to go. But, you know, you want to have a little selection of lenses to take around with you, too, so. 
Yeah. I don't know. I need to find some some local shooters that'll just let me borrow it for a while. Valerie's smiling over there. Valerie's thinking, you know what? Just get a Fuji X100S. <laughs> don't worry about any lenses. Take that thing with you. Do the whole exercise and restriction and beyond, be gone. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, when uh, Doug was saying in his review uh, that... Yeah, I I don't the Fuji is not for you know a camera you'd hand to um, a beginner photographer, right. uh, probably because of the limitations. I mean, it makes you think harder. It makes you work right. harder. And uh, and but ha I really I I, I like that. Um, and that's why I wanted that camera because I didn't have the option of changing lenses. Now I, I'm I'm anxious to try a system with you know a smaller system with with inter interchangeable lenses as well. I, I've never had one, so for me it was going from you know my my 5D Mark II and all the the great glass to uh, a, a fixed line, lens uh, on the Fuji. So because I wanted something different, I already have. A, a lens system, but having a, a nice lens system on a smaller camera um, that that would be that would be pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, in yeah. in in that vein, one of the other cameras that that came out recently, um, I'm not sure if it's shipping yet. If it's not, it should be shortly, and that's the the Panasonic Lumix GX7. Have you guys have you seen that one yet? Nope. Uh, it kind of came across my radar, and I I don't know. I remember looking at it and thinking, yeah, oh, there's nothing that's really jumping out at me is a must-have out of that. But look at that. I'm, I'm showing it on the screen right now for those that are listening to this. This thing has mm -hmm. that... Uh, I would think that this is going up against, at least styling-wise, the Fuji X100S because it mm -hmm. has that whole... that retro styling, but it is a micro four-thirds camera with, a, with an electronic yep. viewfinder, an in-body image stabilization, and all that goodness. It even has Wi-Fi and NFC connectivity, so you can just tap your smartphone to it and have it connect. You know that kind of stuff. Yep. So I don't know, Valerie. This you know, this <laughs> might be cool. the happy medium between yeah. having a micro four, a straight micro four third system like the OMD, and getting the retro, newfangled power of you know. I don't know. I don't yeah. Know. Too many choices. And and I think that's what manufacturers have to do now. I mean. <laughs> Eventually, all the cameras are going to be offering the same thing. So now it's right. going to be a matter of the, the look of it that's going to be a determining factor. Um, I'm not being on brand. I don't care. You know, I can yeah. go from Canon to Nikon to Fuji to Olympus. Amen. Uh, it, whatever, <laughs> whatever fits the the job, and whatever I feel comfortable with. I really See, that's don't a real care photographer. That is that is what I've been preaching. A real photographer. When I was I was running around playing with my my NEX with the Sony NEX, and I took pictures with it, posted online. Of course, the trolls come out, and there everyone's <laughs> got to say. You know, oh, Frederick, you're abandoning Olympus. Uh, you're abandoning Nightbook. Now you're in the Sony camp and all this stuff. I'm like, why do, why do there have to be camps? Where are these no. camps? <laughs> I, know. I know. And where do the checks come from? You know, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Ron, people do you see that? Like, people uh, in your uh, circle, I mean, do people are like, you know, very brand-centric? My experience is that the, the more sophisticated, uh, experienced shooters start to really migrate away from that brand loyalty kind of thing and they're just like, yeah, you know, this is what I bought and I've got a lot of money in it so there's a practical decision, I may stay with it. But, you know, I, I think, and especially with, you know, when it was just Canon and Nikon, you kind of had to stick with it because you had all the, 
the gear and everything that goes with it. But I think there's so many people like you and like I will be and everybody that are sort of saying, okay, I'm going to go into a completely different direction with this Micro Four Thirds or the mirrorless or whatever. And uh, and at that point, you can just kind of say, I don't have to stick with one brand and I, I have a new choice here. So Yeah. Yeah, and that was weird. I'll tell you, one of the, the weirdest things that... And I'm still on this whole mirrorless journey, you know, trying to figure out what what it, it all means. Um, sounds like a Zen journey or something. I'm walking <laughs> barefoot like Ron Brinkman. Around. <laughs> but, you know, it kind of feels like when I first got this camera, I was like, okay, um, this is awesome. And then I bought a Panasonic... Like, the lens that's on here right now is a Lumix. It's a Panasonic 14-millimeter lens that I have on this Olympus body. And yeah. that was like, you know, that's heresy. Yeah, I love <laughs> that. Like, I love it. It's not an Olympus lens on this, and it still focuses perfectly, and everything works great. You know, that's impossible. So that'd be like running, you know, Windows software without emulation on a Mac or something. So I don't know. So yeah, I I wish everything was like that. I wish we would get to the point where it just didn't matter, and everyone's like Valerie, and it's just about the art. <laughs> you just yeah. go out there. Who cares? You know, as a matter of fact. If you guys look at this, if you if you're listening to this, I'm holding up my my OMD here, and if you look oh. at the front of my OMD, can't see the brand. There's no brand on here. That's right. Yep. Everything's blocked off on purpose with black <laughs> tape. So if someone comes up to me and they say, "Hey, what are you shooting with?" I immediately already know to categorize them in that gearhead category. Right. <laughs> it's called now, a what camera. What are you shooting? What What are you doing? You know, it's like what are you shooting with is the most important thing. Yep. Yep. Uh, it's a camera. I don't know. I'm just getting. I'm. I'm turning to old man. That's what yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah. In my day, we shot with uh, Nikon F3s and manual, and we liked yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Let's jump into story number two here, um, which is the big news of this week that we're in right now, and that's Apple. Apple announced or unveiled the newest iteration to the iPhone line. So they unveiled the iPhone 5S, the new flagship model. And the 5C, a more affordable plastic offering that starts at 100. I think it's 100 bucks, probably under contract, but it starts at 99 bucks. Um, and this new line is five colors, which is what the C stands for. So the specs for the 5S, the top of the line one, is what we want to talk about here. Is so essentially the 5C is the iPhone 5 with a plastic back that you can get in color. So that's that's the gist of it. The 5S is the new flagship top-of-the-line version. It's got their new A7 chip in it. It's the first 64-bit processor for smartphones. It's got a cool Touch ID fingerprint sensor, so you don't have to do your little punch in your key, your code to unlock the phone. You just touch your, your finger to it, and it unlocks. It's got LTE wireless. It's got a 15% larger sensor um, in the camera to reduce noise. It's at 120 frame per second video, so you can do uh, slow motion and 720 FPS. Live video zoom and pinch to zoom up to 3x. Burst shooting in the camera up to 10 frames per second. Just hold down the shutter button, shutter button, and it'll just rattle them off. Um, Autofocus matrix, matrix metering, auto exposure adjustment in panorama mode, so you don't get the, those dips between one end of the panorama to the other. It's got this new thing called True Tone Flash where, I don't know if it's new, but it's, it's you know, they're branded at Two Tone Flash where they're actually adding, you have a main light and then a colored fill light to add more skin tone color into the photos. Um, the camera is still 8 megapixel like the iPhone 5, but the sensor is larger and Apple is saying it provides up to 33% increase in light sensitivity. It's got 8 
filters built into it so you could do Instagram like filters either while you shoot so you could see the filters applied live or um, you can apply them after like you can do in Instagram and they've got optical image stabilization so to remove that camera shake but only it's only digital it's not it's like it says only digital in the notes but I, I have to play with it to see exactly how it compares to what Instagram yeah, does I, I, I in think software go ahead Ryan yeah yeah, I think it's just I think it's just the software. It's just software. software. Yeah, it's just running on it. Yeah, and yeah. what's what's the last thing here yeah. is it's a it's available in black, silver, and gold. <laughs> so, oh, I'm not a fan of the gold. gold. I don't know why that gold bugs me. <laughs> it feels Maybe like gold it's a little back. Stewart or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, and apparently it, it is coming back. It, it's actually a nice shade of gold. It's a champagne kind of color they're calling it. So. And it, and it yeah. still make phone. You can still make phone calls with it, right? You forgot to mention that. It still makes calls, and I okay. believe, uh, yeah, text messaging is also included. <laughs> okay, good, good. Okay, I was worried there for a second. So, Ron, I want I want to put this on you first. You're ex Apple. We're both ex Apple. Um, I'm always yep. interested to hear what you think about these releases, and if were, were you like ho hum, you know that's great, or this is a ground breaking release, and I'm gonna go order it right now. What did you think? Well, my number one concern whenever uh, Apple releases something new is what does it do to the stock price? Uh, <laughs> of course. And from that perspective, this is a really, really bad release for us. <laughs> this is affecting your trip to Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's not a good day on, on Wall Street. Um, but disregarding that, yes. hopefully it comes back up. Uh, yeah, nothing to... Well, I mean, no surprises, right? I think it's everything that we expected. Actually, I, the fact that it has a larger sensor behind the lens was something that I hadn't heard leaked in the uh, in the press. And, and you know, that that's a significant thing. I mean, 15% isn't huge, but between that and, and a slightly faster lens on there, uh, you know, the hope is that low light capability and noise levels and all that sort of stuff will be improved. And so I find that interesting. You know, I'm I'm coming, I still have the uh, 4S, so it's I will July. probably upgrade yeah. to this. Um, you know, it's time for me to upgrade. My two-year thing is coming up, so I'll probably do that. You know, I, I personally, I was hoping for a larger, uh, a larger phone, and, you know, I, I'm in that same camp where it's like, God, should I just jump over to Android? But... I don't know, I'm just kind of wired in. Plus, you know, I'm doing iPhone development these days, so... Uh, you could have yeah, both. So kinda, you could have both. I, I could have both, that's true. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the, uh, you know, the speed of, of, of the video, this, you know, the fact that it can actually shoot at 120 frames a second so you can get some really nice slow-mo out of it for video, um, I think there's a lot there for, for from the camera point of view, at least. Yeah, I'm uh, excited I mean, to play for with me, it. I'll tell you, know, I'll tell you, Ryan, you, you hit on two things for me. So as I said in, in previous shows, I'm currently playing with this guy. So I have a 4S as well, iPhone 4S, which is my daily driver, my main my main phone. Um, but I have this guy, and this is the uh, this is the Moto X. And uh -huh. the screen, like you, you mentioned screen size. So here's a screen next to the 4S. Uh, right. Let's see if you can see the size there. So it's it's markedly big. It's not that much bigger that you know you have to use two hands to go around it, and it's not one of those giant, you know, Moses tablet phones that they're coming out with. Tablet, yes. Yeah. I the saw tablets, somebody today. You know? I, I saw someone today walking around the lake with. I mean, you you can only hold, hand hold those phones. You can't really attach them to yeah. your belt or anything. With this, it looked like an iPad Mini. 
Yeah, it's like and you it hold that phone. thing up to your head to talk on it. It's like you're calling in an airstrike <laughs> in, or something. <laughs> I thought things were getting smaller. Why are phones getting bigger? They're not. That's, they're I don't not. get it. Not for me. Not for me. I mean, I want. I wanted something. I was really hoping for something a little bit bigger than the 4S or the 5, but not phablet. And that's yeah, that's right, this yeah. Moto X. That's the size. But then, like Ron, you said that that entails moving camps, and we being Apple people. Like I'm sure you have at least one Apple TV in your house. You wouldn't be controlling that with your phone, you know, none of that stuff. And then the other thing about the Moto X that I'm lamenting right now, which is widely reported, is the camera in this thing is can't hold a candle to even the 4S camera, right? So I don't know if it's so, it's a software update that Motorola needs to make or something, but it needs to happen in order for this to be even be considered a photographer's walk around daily driver. Right. So. We'll see. I don't know. So other but, you know, other than that stuff, Ron, what do you think? No, you know the interesting thing is it's you know the camera is definitely better. It's it's no longer you know as of uh, when the Nokia Lumia came out, it's no longer the best camera out there on a phone, and uh, you know and even with this new update, it's no longer that. So uh, you know I think there was a there's a period of time where the best camera was on an Apple phone, and that's no longer the case. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, like I said, I'll I'll probably end up getting it, and I think honestly, I suspect that the speed, you know, the 10 frames per second burst mode, and some of the stuff that people will probably be able to do in software with some of this stuff, you know, really good slow mo. I mean, you take that, if you can shoot at 120 frames per second, and then add in some good optical flow, you can get some crazy good slow motion stuff. Yeah. You know, a combination yeah. of of hardware and software. Um, 10 frames per second. Buffering is where you can do that ultra-fast shooting gives you a lot of things that you can do, you know. And we're going to be looking into some of this uh, on the software side of things. It's a cool idea that I have for you know what can you do with, you know, really high-quality, high-resolution images that are also taken a, you know, a tenth of a second apart. Uh, there's a lot there. There's so, a lot, yeah, there's a lot to play with. There's yeah. a lot more data coming in that you can you can run through your software, right? Yeah, yeah. Man. So and then one other little sort of interesting thing that goes with it is the. Um, the CPU in there supposedly has some kind of data logging that can run without an app uh, running behind it. It's like built into the CPU. So things like the motion sensor, you know, is this is this moving around kind of thing. For stuff like, you know, like your Fitbit or whatever, where normally you'd wear a dedicated device that checks how much you're moving during the day, that's now going to be feasible with this phone without, you know, being a total battery hog. So, cool. yeah, you know, it... Not a huge release, but it's not a bad one, I don't think. Yeah, Valerie, what, what do you what do you think about um, this? Are you like specifically from the standpoint of is this the phone that you're going to purchase? And on the camera side of it, two part question on the cam on the camera side of this, is is this just the the final nail in the coffin of the point and shoot camera, at least in the United States? What do you think? Um, well, I I have the 4S also, and I'm I mean, it does everything I need. I need, so I'm not upgrading until it dies. Uh, I don't really jump on new stuff right away because I just don't see a huge improvement. Um, for the phone, um, I, I don't think anyone buys an iPhone, I mean for the camera, I don't think anybody buys an iPhone for the camera, at least yeah. anymore. Um, as uh, Ron was saying, uh, Nokia Lumia, is that how you call it? Lumia, uh, mm -hmm. And even Samsung, I think now their phones have better uh, have better cameras. Um, I know for sure the Nokia. I mean, it looks pretty impressive. So I think you mean we Microsoft. get Microsoft. 
right? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> is that, right. Well, I don't know. Is it uh, Nokisoft now or Micro <laughs> Micro Ia? That's right. I don't know. Um, I think we get iPhones because we're familiar with the. I mean, we all had iPod, iPod Touch. So you get an iPhone, and you there is no learning curve. We know how to use it, and that's yeah. why we we stay in the Apple world because it's familiar. Um, and yeah, I don't I don't know if the point and shoot has any any chance of uh, of making it if everybody has a a phone with eight megapixel or more in their pocket. Yeah. No, when you when you're out and about on your workshops, you know it used to be. At least for me, it used to be when you when you left the house and you knew you were going to take photos, you had your phone, which took crappy photos back in the day, so you didn't rely on that. But you might take a point-and-shoot, right, if you yeah. knew that, okay, I'm going to some thing where I might want to take a good shot, I'm going to take my point-and-shoot. And you might also have your DSLR if you're like Valerie and you're on a workshop. Now, how has that picture changed? Are you the mirrorless and iPhone person and the DSLR is break glass in case of emergency or does that st guy still come with you? No, the DSLR is not uh, It's not going to accrue any uh, freaking fly miles anytime soon, I don't think. Um, I, the poor DSLR. <laughs> I, I mean, I use it for client shoots, uh, for commercial shoots still, but that's it. And I don't even think I'll bring it on my next workshop. Uh, wow. I uh, I really like my uh, my mirrorless. No, Ron, it's comfortable. What, how does that make awesome. you feel, Ron? This is therapy session for Ron. I, how does that I make think you it's feel? awesome. <laughs> I do because I I've been I've been annoyed with the size of the crap I've been carrying around for so many vacations, and just to keep hearing that it's very viable to not have to have that big of a bag full of stuff. Yeah, because when I travel, I like to travel light. You know, I, I don't pack a lot of other stuff. But then you get that thing of, all right, three quarters of the weight of what I'm carrying around is camera gear. Mm -hmm. So I love the idea of having it be, be reduced in size. And the fact that the quality is acceptable to all of these experienced shooters fills me with great joy. Yeah, okay. great joy. Yeah, it, but so like you were saying, the problem becomes there are so many cool choices out there, and more showing up. It seems uh -huh. like every month or so. How do you choose? I got a, I got a, I think it was a Google Plus message or something from someone today saying, Sony, Panasonic, or Olympus. Which should I choose? So if someone came to you, Ron, and said, yeah. okay, I have all these choices. I'm ready to to make the leap away from the DSLR mirrored world into mirrorless. What would you tell them to do? Uh, well, uh, that's exactly the position I'm in, so I guess I'd tell them to wait. <laughs> so in other words, <laughs> what are you going to do, Ron Brinkman? <laughs> I know. That's exactly what I'm going to do. I am going to wait a little while longer. Uh, I believe that Sony is about due for a higher, you know, sort of the replacement of their high-end NEX system. So we'll see what that brings, and then I'll probably make the decision, and if it's nothing radical, uh, and take another look at the lens Availability for the Sony system. Otherwise, I would probably go with the uh, probably that that OMP. Very cool. You know, the OM1 what's your, what's yeah, your price range going to be? Under under two thousand, under three thousand. Uh, you know, it's going to be whatever, replacing whatever my main she lets system. you spend, right? Whatever she allows. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> whatever you have left. The new the boss wedding. will determine that. Yeah. <laughs> your new, exactly. your new CFO. <laughs> oh yeah. Whatever you can save up the wedding photographer. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's like whatever's left whatever's over, left I can over. buy a camera with. Can I can I make one more one more comment on wedding photography? Yeah, please <laughs> <Sure>. do. <laughs> I am 
I've you know I've I've talked to several of them at this point, and uh, I've asked them, "Can I get all of the photos you shoot in raw format?" And there is a. <laughs> oh no, you didn't. <laughs> of course I did. <laughs> and I understand why people don't want to do that, but come on, just give me everything and let me deal with it myself. <laughs> Rod, you turned into that guy. Look at that. <laughs> come on, Frederick. Come on. If if somebody was shooting your wedding. Would yeah. you not want to have the raw files from what they're shooting? Oh, I'd have everything. Yeah. But then, <laughs> okay. No, I'd have Sarah France come and do it, and I wouldn't have to worry about a thing. There you go. Uh, there you go. Call Sarah to do it. She's down there somewhere. Yeah. Fly her out. You know, sneak her in as a guest yeah. and just let her shoot it mirrorless. They won't think Fight she's a real wedding. photographer. <laughs> yep, that's true. That's true. There you go. Like, yeah. why is this person with this little camera all over the place? <laughs> yep. That's true. There you go. Yep. Cool, man. I don't. Um, I'm yeah. just, no, go ahead. I'm like, come on, just give me the raw files. Just give me the raw files, please. All right, Twip listeners, contact Ron Brinkman if <laughs> if you could if you're if you where are you going? Kauai, did you say? Kauai, yes. Yeah, if you're Kauai yes. on the approved list for some resorts out there, contact Ron Brinkman and agree to give him the raw files from the shoot, <laughs> and you, we'll mention yep. you on Twip. How about that? <laughs> That's true. That is there true. You go. We'll talk about it. We'll give you some exposure to our leads and some listeners. <laughs> yeah, we'll get we'll yep. give a photographer exposure to other photographers. Like that's going to drum up more business. <laughs> right. True. Yeah. It's wrong audience. Because we have I an audience full of Alex, rides. I should talk to Alex about maybe borrowing a bunch of his red cameras for the video shoot, though. There you go. There you <laughs> go. I think he has one yeah. or two laying around that he probably could let you borrow. I think he just shot his brother's wedding with a red camera. So. Jeez. I can't believe Joe got married. That's a whole other story. Joe's a kid getting married. <laughs> Children getting married. What's going on? The world, dogs and cats raining down. Yeah. All right, guys. Let's get to the last story here. The last one is Sigma. Sigma has announced a camera mount conversion service. So basically, I'm going to read this. It says, looking to switch your camera loyalties but worried about being tied to one system because of your investment in lenses, you may consider... Sigma lenses as they just introduced a new mount conversion service that will allow you to send in your existing Sigma lenses and have the mount converted to work with another system. Do you guys care about this? Like, you know, I, <laughs> Valerie, I know you're like, I don't even switch lenses anymore. What do I need? <laughs> what do I need this for? I, I, I have owned actually a Sigma lens. I probably still have it somewhere. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. That seems like a lot of work, so you have to send them in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know, but yeah. hey, yeah, jumping through a, hot, a lot of hoops to to get that done. Yeah, it, it's it's one is a small value add when you're considering what lens to get. I mean, there, there's a yeah. uh, in particular, there's one new Sigma lens. I can't remember which one it is. I think it's a fairly wide one that is uh, getting a whole lot of accolades for being, you know, sort of like the widest high quality uh, short zoom that's out there. So you know, very good lens and. Maybe this extra little ability to do some swapping between systems, if you think that's in your future, would be enough to tip you over into buying it. So, and they're they're it quite a bit sense. cheaper, aren't they? I mean, Sigma is Sigma is is usually cheaper, but I think that you know some of these premium ones that they're doing yeah. now are in the same ballpark. They're in the same ballpark, yeah. Sigma and Tamron, they have those high-end lenses, which are yeah yeah comparable to the uh, the regular OEM lenses. So the the question, Valerie, I want to put this on you. So you are you're moving squarely in the direction of high tech and mirrorless and all that stuff. 
has it crossed your mind? Like, it used to cross my mind all the time. Like, man, what's the next lens I'm going to buy? Man, I really want that 14, 24. You know, that used to be in my head all the time. Not so much lately. And when it does come in my head, it's like, man, I need a, I need a long lens for my Micro Four Thirds camera. <laughs> how, do I, how do I solve that nut? Are you, are you in the same camp? Have you forsaken the DSLR, your lens buying habits? Um, well, I know I own my last DSLR for sure. Uh, I'll never buy another one. Hmm. Um, wow. And I'm actually considering selling. Wow. <gasps> I said it. Yeah. You said it. <laughs> Here, live nice. on Twip. <laughs> no, I, I, no, I'm not going to get rid of the, of the body and a couple of the, the lenses. I mean, I have, you know, uh, my, um, how do you call them? Um, my bread and butter lens. Is that how you yeah. say it in, in That's English? How you okay. say it, yes. um, or but bread, like, or, or butter and croissant or whatever. <laughs> the other day, I, I was uh, putting my, I, I, I was going on a photo walk. Um, I have a small photo walk group here, um, and I thought, oh, I'm gonna take the Canon and I'm gonna put the 70 to 200, 28 mm. on it, mm. and then I took it out and I ran back in and I grabbed the Fuji. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> I just could not do it. I'm like, it was like 100 degrees out. So what am I going to do carrying this, you know, 10-pound lens with? Yeah. When I can have my tiny little Fuji with my fixed lens, I don't have to carry a bag, and I'm happy. That's interesting. Now, did, did you find on that particular outing that you were missing? And I know what the answer is to this already because you've said it when you go on workshops you don't really miss the DSLR except in really extreme circumstances. But on that particular one, when you went back in to get the Fuji, did you find yourself saying, well, yeah, I have this fixed focal length of, what is it, 28 millimeter? Uh, yes, tw it's an equivalent to 35. Yeah, 35 millimeter. But, you know, had I brought out the, the Iron Man suit, I could have got some, <laughs> some really cool shots. No, I mean... This was a casual photo walk. It wasn't. I wasn't teaching. It was just hanging out with friends. I don't think that way. I don't ever think. Oh, I wish I had. I mean, even in Iceland, it barely crossed my mind that yeah, I could have had my my Canon and with all my lenses. No, I had the Fuji with the 35 millimeter lens, and that's yeah. all I had. And I, you know, I said, well, that's not going to prevent me from making some good pictures. And and um, I. I wasn't carrying a crappy camera phone. I had a pretty nice piece of equipment. Yes, it's limiting, but I don't go out there and wish I had something else. I, yeah. That's just not me. I just go and make the best of it. And um, I, that's... Uh, so, but, no, you know, I didn't miss... Playing, playing devil's advocate, especially with Ron on the show, who's he represents the the segment of the listeners that are on the fence between... You know, either moving to mirrorless or adding mirrorless to their arsenal. One of the, like Valerie, the, your style of shooting is street photography, a lot of it, right? So you're mm -hmm. out and about, and you know things catch your eye. You grab it. You do. You know, you put your photography skills into effect, and you make some art on the spot. But you're not sure what you're going to get. What about for those photographers that preconceptualize what they're going to do? Like they know. I'm going to San Francisco. I'm going to shoot a long exposure of the base of the Bay Bridge with some rocks in the foreground and blur the water and all that stuff. And I need the flexibility to be able to do that and oh. not limit myself. Is this Oh, absolutely. No, I mean then for sure, but I don't see why they they would have to have the 
the DSLR system. I mean, I'm yeah. sure they can take that new Olympus with a variety of lenses. Olympus, or the older Olympus. Or the older one <laughs> yeah. with, with a few lenses and get the same image, same images. It's all about perception at that point. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that the, the, the quality of the image is not going to make a difference, except, you know, for some cases, like I don't shoot fast action sports, but um, I hear that... Um, that's, that would still be limiting with uh, a smaller yes, system, but uh, but that's only for now. I'm sure that's going to change eventually too. Um, and, and and I really do think that DSLRs. I mean, slowly you're you're going to start seeing wedding photographers with smaller systems, and and people will get used to it. I think at this point it would be really tough to go out and shoot for a client with a smaller systems but people are starting to do that and I think the more more people who are um, I mean who deliver quality work are gonna deliver quality work no matter what they shoot with and at that point the perception of oh you have a big camera you must make better pictures I think that's on its way out and hopefully that's you know well, let, no, let's, test that. Let's, that. let's test that theory <laughs> right now because we, okay. we have a unique opportunity to test that theory. We've got a groom-to-be on the show who's looking for a wedding photographer <laughs> with the, and has the budget to pay for it to do it right, right? So, Ron, if you hired one of those staff photographers from the resort that you're getting married at and that photographer mm -hmm. showed up, let's say, with this Olympus OMD or maybe two of them and one mm -hmm. as a backup, you know, how would you feel about that? Yeah, that's <laughs> a good question. Um, but, but you'd look at their work well, first. I, I, I mean, think, you'd see their portfolio. Yeah, obviously. Obviously, you so, look at their portfolio. You know, the only thing that concerned me, because, you know, most of the wedding stuff is going to be, there's going to be, it's during the day, there's a reasonable amount of lighting. I, you know, I guess the only thing that would concern me is you, you're not going to get that super creamy, uh, polka, you know, tiny, tiny depth of field kind of stuff. Yeah. With a slightly smaller sensor camera, but uh, you know, if you got a longer lens, you pop onto it, then you can still kind of do the same thing. So, so would you, you know so, so you were interviewing, you're interviewing the photographer, and you're sitting in the room. The photographer shows up, and you're like, "So, John or Jane, what what do you shoot with? You know, I'm on this weekend photo, and I know my way around mm -hmm. photography. Tell me, what what kind of gear are you going to use to shoot my once in a lifetime?" event, hopefully, right? So, and they say, well, I shoot with a Fuji X100S and I'm an artist, you know, what, what would you say? Um, with a fixed lens? With a fixed lens. <laughs> I have to send you a link, yeah, actually. I Remember Frederick, this guy we, from we, the from England who sent um, who does wedding photography with the yeah. X100S black yeah. and white. It's amazing. It was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. But what my line of questioning is getting at? No, I'm not. I'm not yeah. questioning the capability yeah. of the camera. I'm questioning the perception of the capability, especially with someone with a once in a lifetime event coming up. Are you? Are we as a society of people ready to embrace the technology? Or would you do you need the placebo of that giant DSLR at your wedding to uh, make you feel better that you're going to get a shot? No, it's not that. I I, I think you know. It, yeah, I mean, I would ask the hard questions. I would need to see the portfolio. I'd need to understand why they've made the decision to choose. Because it, you know, some of the reasons why you have a micro four thirds system is for things like portability and all that. And that's not. 
that wouldn't be a reason that you would necessarily need at a wedding, right? You're you're in one location. You can have a big gear bag. You can do all that kind of stuff. So I don't right. necessarily see, you know, other than just personal preference, why would you have a micro four-thirds system at a wedding? Um, you know, a lot of the advantages aren't really there for wedding photography, I guess. Have you have so, you shot a wedding lately? Have you have you humped around with DSLR no, times no. two on and your back yeah. for eight hours? <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Yes. You know, you know yeah. usually usually you're you're paying for a photographer and an assistant at least. So right, right. But yeah, yeah. You know, it's um, yeah. You know, if there if there's good reasons why, I would I would not be against it, uh, assuming their portfolio looked good. Well, we're gonna check in with you. I want to find out once once you're an official husband. I want to find out what that yep. photographer shot your wedding with, <laughs> and I want to see some right. photos of how they look. Yep. Cool. I would definitely right, do that. So let's, uh, let's, let's move on. Before we continue with the listener Q&A segment, I want to thank the sponsor of this episode, and that's our friends over at Squarespace.com. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 20% off, go to Squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP9. And using Squarespace is easy. Everything is drag and drop. You can add content from your desktop and even drag to rearrange elements of content within the page. They've got an amazing 24-7 support team in New York City, and they do live chat during the week and have an extremely fast email support team throughout the day and night. Squarespace also really cares about design. The, all of their templates are extremely clean, and they allow your content to be the focus of your website. And socializing is easy with Squarespace. You can easily connect Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Instagram, Google, and many more services. Plus, every Squarespace website has its own unique mobile design, so your website is automatically scaled to look great on every device. Also, they've recently added e-commerce to their platform, so if you want to set up shop and sell things, you can do so in just a few minutes. You can start your trial today with no credit card and start building your website tonight. Then, when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, just use the offer code TWIP9 and get 20% off. At Squarespace.com, everything you need to create an exceptional website. And we'd like to thank Squarespace for their support of TWIP. Okay, it's time for our listener Q&A. This is a segment where we answer questions that have been at the top of some of our listeners' minds. The first question is from Dave. Actually, the only question that we're going to get to today is from Dave. He says, when you're first starting out in photography and you're planning to make it a business, how can you choose a name that's unique and will grab attention from all customers. I feel if I were to use my name, I would get less attention because my last name is very hard to pronounce and my first name is so common. So this is a, a kind of a business question. What do you name your business? And, and I want to put it to, to you guys. Valerie, I want you to hopefully take this one. My, my thing is when I see lists of photographer names, it's always first name, last name, photography, or photography by first name, last name, or photography by last name. Nothing, and maybe every now and then there's something creative in there, like, you know, flying unicorn photography or something. But it's always something like that. What, what do you think about this? How should Dave name his business, Valerie? Well, especially if he's starting out, he has to be very careful not to get stuck in a, in a niche market. You know, you can't have a 
a, a name for his for his photography that has to that will uh, convey the idea of family portraiture and weddings, for example, and then he decides he's going to shoot products. Yeah. So, so that's why I think a lot of photographers use their name as their brand because they may go in different directions. Um, I when I read the question, I I thought. Uh, you know the guy you interviewed who does the pet photography mm -hmm. uh, yeah, recently? Yeah, the, the photographer, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I think the name, I, I wrote it down, it was the Sha Shaggy Shutterbug. Okay. Yes, the Shaggy it's a Shutterbug. It's, it's a catchy name. It's it's very clever, and I think it's a it, it's it's perfect for his, for his business. Yes. That said, he can't start shooting weddings with that name. Yeah, it depends on the wedding, but yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you really have to before you pick a name that is uh, specific to a genre of photography. You have to make sure you're going to stick with that, and you're not going to expand your business to something else. And that's why I think having something more generic, but still original, uh, besides your name, it's hard. Everything's taken. Yeah. So something like <laughs> something that's like uh, twilight photography or you know, bokeh, beautiful bokeh <laughs> photography, something like that that's generic that can apply to anything is what you're saying, right? You'd, you'd have to, I think, especially when you're starting out because he, he unless he decides he wants to shoot weddings and that's all he's ever going to do, yeah. uh, you can't be too specific. Yeah. My, my two well, the sets, other thing, you know. the other piece yeah. of that business-wise, at least here in the U.S., is the the when you file for a business license, it's easier to, if you use your name in your business because you know, you're just doing a DBA and it's it's based on your name. You don't have to do a copyright search and all that other crazy stuff That's because true. it's your name. You know, you're legally allowed to, allowed to use your name as a business name. So it makes it the path of least resistance for a lot of people. I don't know, Ron. Ron Brinkman, what do, what would you say to this parting thoughts on uh, on business names? Yeah, I don't. I mean, just I was just looking at the list of approved vendors uh, that I could choose from, and you know, there's uh, <laughs> probably three quarters of them are people's names, but there's you know Pacific Dream and Sea Light Studios mm -hmm. and uh, Kilahano Photo and uh, Fish Eye Studio. So there's there's still um, you know several named you know not not personal names kind of things. I, you know, but my advice is, so what if your name is long and hard to pronounce? It also makes it distinctive, right? It's, mm -hmm. I mean, far better to have something that is memorable than John Smith photography, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I, I, unless it's just so unmanageable that you just don't want to deal with it. I, I don't see anything wrong with naming it just your name. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. And, and, you're, and you're always building a brand. You know, you're always building a brand at that point. So, mm -hmm. you know, you... You could go the other way, but you know, if you go, if you if you start out using your name and people get to know it, and then you decide you want to have a company that is a broader sort of thing that isn't just your name, you can go that direction. But if you start off with a company name and then go decide you want to have your own personal name there instead, I don't think it's as easy a move. Yeah. Well, and then with that moving piece, the other part of it is if you one day you decide you want to sell the business, you know. So if you if you created True. Flying unicorn photography is easier to give that to someone and and take a check in return than it is to give Ron Brinkman photography to someone and deal with all that mess that goes yeah. with the transfer. That is true, but generally, if you're building a business around yourself as a creative, then you're not going to be able to sell it anyway. You know, not not in that same way. Not you know, it's not right. like a software company or something. Right. Right. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. So yeah, good good feedback. So. 
listener Dave, I would love it if you'd stay in contact with us and let us know if that was helpful and what you end up naming your business. I'm curious to see what you go with. All right, guys, let's jump into the picks of the week. This is the segment where you guys can pick anything to re recommend to the TWIP army as long as it is somehow related to photography. Valerie, I'm going to allow you to go first. What is your um, pick of the week? Well, something a little different. Um, I mean, I, I love Kelby Training and Lynda.com. I know there are a lot of other tutorials, some that are free that are really good, but when you go with either one of, of those two, you know you're going to get quality. And a lot of people think you have to do the yearly membership and uh, I often tell my um, my uh, workshop students if they have like a month where they know they're gonna have some time or if they want to give up their favorite uh, TV show every day for an hour and and spend that hour on either one of those two and and learn how to use for example Lightroom in depth or or get some inspiration they can just spend 25 bucks for a month and they can get so much content for $25. So it's just uh, something I thought about suggesting because uh, it's a very small investment for a lot of quality uh, learning. It is, and I'd echo that too because there's, there's just a ton of stuff on both Linda and Kelby and they approach they approach online training in two different ways. Like I would, I don't know, I mean I would categorize Linda as almost like the library of Congress of everything yeah. that you want to know about any piece of software out there, you know. And then Kelby is more creative focused and photography and Adobe software and, you know, that kind of stuff. So for our audience, you could learn Lightroom on either place mm -hmm. um, or go to Kelby and get Lightroom and Photoshop and all that stuff. So it just depends on what you want to learn. If you want to learn WordPress and how to set up a website, then lynda.com for sure. If mm -hmm. you want to learn Lightroom 5, then I would probably steer people towards Kelby. So lots of, yeah, lots of good stuff on both. But also, it's not only about learning a software. They have really great, like you can spend an hour with Jay Maisel on Kelby Training, and um, same, lynda.com has some wonderful photographers that they've interviewed and followed on photo walks that are just so inspirational, and uh, I really recommend that too. Love it. Love it. Cool. All right. Both lynda.com and Kelby Training. Ron Brinkman, what is your pick or picks of the week? Uh, yes, I actually have two. One of them is a little <laughs> self-serving, um, and, and also, all, uh, well, whenever I do two, one of them self-serving and one of them is uh, for the good of everybody. Yep. The uh, the first one is also for a very specific audience. Uh, my mother, a seventy-something-year-old mother, has written a book on parenting, nice. and. Go ahead and, and make any comments you want to make about how I turned out. I was going to go there. I was going to say, is this, is this science fiction or horror? Or is... <laughs> no, well, you know, I, there, 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 there may, however, be a few amusing anecdotes about certain of her children inside of the book. Now, she, my, my mom has, uh, has, has been, uh, you know, she's been a university professor. She has her PhD in, in child development. She's uh, been working with parents and parenting and teaching about this sort of thing for her entire career. And uh, it's actually, yeah, I, I helped. Uh, proofread it and edit it for her before it went to the publisher, and it, it's um, like wow, there's actually some good stuff in here. It's uh, it's very in depth. It's also very um, you know very sensible 
uh, advice for a new parent uh, up to somebody that's probably got you know a middle school aged children or something like that. So it's called a walk through parenting. We'll put a link in the site, uh, or you can just search for Brinkman Parenting, and, and you'll get the book. And uh, if you, you do purchase it and like it, she would of course love to get good reviews on it as well on Amazon. Um, you know, it's the the problem that all of us have as creatives and creating something is how do you get the word out? So. If you know somebody that has uh, children and is looking for a good parenting book, feel free to pass the info on to them as well. Ron, while, um, while you were so talking, that's my first pick. While you were talking, I one-click Amazon Prime purchased that book. It is on its way to my house right now. Wow! Look at nice. that. Nice. Look at that. Very good. And you're not even a parent. I'm helping out. Look at Unless that. Look at you. See, I got you. I got you back, <laughs> I man. <love> it. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah. Very good. So my other pick, a real quick one. This is total, total fun. Uh, for my birthday, I, I, my fiance, got me a parrot AR drone. Have you seen this thing? She's a keeper, Ron. I just got to tell you, she, she is definitely a keeper. She's buying you drone aircraft. <laughs> <laughs> Keep that woman. Yep. Yep. Well, she bought me a bunch of shirts and stuff, and she's like, "All right, I realize that all the shirts are for me, not for you. So I also got you this." <laughs> but it's um. Have you seen this this little quadcopter uh, thing from Parrot? It's have. a three hundred dollar drone, uh, and the reason I mention it is because it is actually photography related. Because it's got both a uh, front facing and a down facing camera. The front facing camera is HD quality, and so it's a really cheap entree into getting yourself you know an aerial drone uh, camera you know, for doing photography. It's really cool. It's you know controlled by your iPhone. You can actually use turn it on so when you tilt the iPhone, the drone tilts and moves in the direction you're, you're telling it to go based on the tilt. Uh, it can be capturing movies this whole time, so uh, it, it's it's actually a hell of a lot of fun, and you know you get a video out of it when you're done. That is kind of cool. Can so, that thing fly outside, or is it indoor only? Can it compensate for wind and all that? No, no, no. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely outside. I mean, it's incredible how sophisticated these things are. It's you know it's sort of self-stabilizing, so when you take your fingers off the control, it just stops in place and hovers. So you know it's just like oh crap, it's going somewhere. Hang on, and you just sort of let it stabilize. Uh, when the wind hits it, it tries to it resists that and tries to go back to where you know wherever it was hovering. So it's got uh, GPS. It's really in it pretty then. smart. It's it's pretty cool. I don't think it's GPS. I think what it does is it uses the down facing camera to do sort of a a picture of where it thinks it's supposed to be, and then it compensates to try to keep that in place. Wow. Just pretty pretty darn clever. That's crazy. I'm looking at I'm looking at the page on Amazon, yep. and it says. It receives 720p HD live video streaming to your smartphone or tablet while flying. Yep. It records yeah, and shares got, videos and pictures. Little... It, uh, where is it? Remote control quadcopter controlled by iPod Touch, iPhone, iPad, and Android devices. Crazy. Jeez. 300 bucks yeah. though, Ron. It's $300. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it is. But you know, most of these, your next step up on in the drone world is more, you know, is well over a thousand. So it's actually a pretty good, uh, pretty good deal for for what it is. Mm-hmm. And I mean, think about it. You know, this is something that you absolutely could not buy four or five years ago. You know, the technology just didn't exist at all. And now you can get, you can fly an HD, you know, helicopter over your house for three hundred dollars. That's insane. So that's insane. But I'll tell slight. you, yeah, it's, I was it's, I was able to buy a walkthrough parenting, create your personal parenting plan for thirteen forty five from Amazon, not three hundred dollars. <laughs> well, okay. See, so, I got a nice inexpensive pick and a little more. And one, yeah, the geeky pick and the not so geeky pick. So perfect. Yeah, awesome. exactly. Yep. Cool. All right. Thanks, Ron. 
My right. my pick of the week is the Drobo Mini. So when Dro the Drobo Mini came out a while back, it was I think they priced this thing at it had to be like seven hundred and forty nine something ridiculously high like that. Yeah. And every we people looked at it like, oh, this is awesome. It's Thunderbolt. It's got Drobo technology in there. It does the raid and all this you know this self healing stuff, and it's fast and it's a new industrial design. And then you know sort of the 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 sad music played when they got to the price because it was like seven hundred and something crazy dollars. So they've dropped the price now to three hundred and forty nine dollars. Where, in my opinion, where it should have been when they launched the thing. So right. that is uh, that is my pick of the week. It's the Drobo Mini. We'll link to it. And I think in many ways it's the perfect device, um, storage device to sit on your desk. Like in my house, I'm going to do a video about this in a, in a couple of days, I think. But on my desk, um, there'll be there's the Drobo Mini. With with the stuff that I'm working on right now, like any videos, um, the the my ex, the the library or my Lightroom library that I'm currently using, all that stuff, and all the projects live on this device right here. And then I have the larger Drobos that are actually in the master bedroom closet next to the the router and all that stuff. All that stuff sits in an entirely different room. And that's where my library of Congress lives. So everything, all my iTunes library, all my backed up files, the archive versions of Twip, you know, back several hundred episodes, everything lives over there. And they're so they they're not cluttering up my MacBook Pro or my existing in progress stuff. So it all sort of works together. And the Drobo Mini allows me to have all that crazy storage right here on my desktop connected at Thunderbolt speeds while at night I run a little backup um, carbon copy cloner thing that backs everything up to the to the main Drobos over there. So it seems to be working and it's been working for about a year or so now. So I'm uh, at least the backup piece has been working. I just introduced the Drobo Mini into the mix so that kind of completes it completes the picture. So definitely check that out. Um, if you were looking at Drobo Mini and dismissed them because of the price, the price is now down to Earth, and you know it's not on Saturn anymore. So check them out. All right, guys. Um, right, so what's the, what's the price that you're seeing? Three hundred and forty-nine dollars. Uh, okay. Is you that an Amazon price or is that there? That's on Drobo. Go to Drobo. It's on Drobo.com. Look at that link that I put in the show notes. It'll take you right over to the page. Three forty-nine. Yeah, six forty-nine. Nope, you're looking in the wrong okay. place, my friend. Three forty-nine. All right. You find it? That's a good deal. Yeah, that is a good deal. Yeah. <laughs> and if I'm wrong, Drobo's going to come after me with pitchforks. <laughs> or they're going to sell them at 349 and send me the bill, right? <laughs> for the difference. Good. Which I will promptly ignore. Anyway, so, so uh, guys, we're at the end of the show. Um, stay tuned, listeners, if you want to check out an interview I did with the one. And the only Rick Salmon, he and I sat down and talked about all kinds of cool stuff, um, photography-related, of course, and some business-related stuff. So Rick gave us a glimpse, or gave me a glimpse, and you guys, uh, into a, a glimpse into his business and how he runs things and how he's able to do many things at once and maintain multiple income streams with ease. So definitely check that out. That's coming up right after we close the show up. And to do that... Let's just close it up with uh, Valerie. Valerie, where would you like people to go to check out the Fuji X100S <laughs> shots that you're doing all the time? 
Oh, I, I will be using my Canon again, no fear, mm-hmm. um, eventually. Um, I My website, uh, valeriejardinphotography.com, V-A-L-E-R-I-E-J-A-R-D-I-N, photography, all in one word. It is so easy for you to say your last name. It's, <laughs> but sure yeah, before, we, before I dialed you guys up on, on Google+, Plus, I'm like, Jardin, 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 <laughs> how, how do I say that? <laughs> I just I don't have the muscles in my mouth to make those French words. <laughs> it's Jardin. Jardin. See? Jardin. It's like Boca. Jardin. Boca. <laughs> Boca. Boca. Jardin. You know, it's just bane <laughs> of my existence. See? Anyway, Valerie, thank you for coming thank on you. the show. All right, Ron Brinkman, where'd you like people to go to keep up with you? Oh, probably the easiest thing is still on Twitter when I managed to get on there, which is just uh, at Ron Brinkman. Are you going to be Twittering and tweeting from the altar? Oh, I doubt that. I doubt that very much. <laughs> what about what about at the honeymoon? Are you going to send us Instagram photos from the honeymoon? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even, I don't, we haven't even managed to plan the uh, honeymoon yet, so I don't even know where it's going to be. Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll need to see a, a photo of the photographer in action so that we know what they're shooting with. Jeez. You know, Valerie, I'm sorry, right. but I do not need know. to see a photo of Ron Brinkman in action on his honeymoon. Sorry. No, of the photographer. <laughs> I don't need that. Photographer. I don't need that in my visual memory. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, guys. All right. Well, thank you both for coming on. Um, listeners, if you want to keep up with everything in the TWIP universe, you can check us out at thisweekinphoto.com. And remember, please join our community over on Google+. And finally, if you're looking for me, Frederick Van Johnson, you can find me at frederickvan.com. And with that, it's time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production. Produced by Suzanne Llewellyn, with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar. Okay, special treat for you guys. I'm uh, I was lucky enough to wrangle the amazingly busy and occupied Rick Salmon to come on and chat with me specifically about just how he does all the crazy stuff he's doing. First of all, first and foremost, Rick's a photographer, of course, everyone knows that, but. If you don't look at him from the facet of photography, you will see behind the scenes or under the waterline, there's this giant iceberg of stuff <laughs> that he does. <laughs> the, the, it's amazing. I mean, books and workshops and all this crazy stuff that's always going on. So I thought we would focus this interview instead of specifically talking about photography, but talking about how photographers that want to make a living in this business, how can they do it and maybe even you know take a few small steps in the path that Rick's is on currently. So Rick, welcome. Well, <laughs> I'm laughing and smiling because it's always so much fun to talk with you. You you have a great personality. You're so much fun. But you know, the other side of you is you're a very serious you're serious about your work. Yeah, and you right. uh and but I don't think you take yourself seriously and I think that's important. Like I don't take myself seriously, but I take my work seriously. So yeah. it's always great to see you and, and it's uh thanks for having thanks again for having me on the show. No, thank you. And thanks for saying that. That's very kind. Yeah, I uh 
I learned not too long ago that it's, you know, life's very short and to take everything too seriously means it's going to be even shorter. So, (laughs) (laughs) and there's a lot of fun stuff to do and people are awesome. So why not, why not just, uh, you know, occupy your world with cool people like yourself and shut the negative people out and, you know, press forward. So, well, you know, that, that is actually a very, very good tip. There's, there's a lot of negativity around there. So surrounding yourself with upbeat, positive people that you can learn from. And that's one of the great things about social media. We could learn from people we've never heard of, right? Right. Or like amazing photographers. You're doing stuff like star trails and all this stuff, painting with light. It's amazing what we can learn uh, from the uh, from uh, social media. Yeah, isn't that insane? I mean, you know, you rewind back, you know, decades when, and I'll, I'll go back decades when I was first starting, starting to get excited about photography and learning this stuff. And I mean, let's just say there were several trips to the library, right? Because there's no Amazon. There was no Amazon. There's no internet. It's just like, okay, I want to. I remember buying these books on special effects photography or taking them out of the library or whatever on just to get my brain around how they do those star trails things. And you're like reading and it's not clicking. And then you go try it and it fails and you give up, you know. But now, like you're saying, there's this this network of people and examples and video training and all this crazy stuff out there to help you do it. You know, so I I, I hate to sound like the, you know, the the, uh, the the grandfather saying, hey, you know, in my day, all we had were books, you know, and now you have this YouTube thing, you know, but still it's true. Well, and so much is is free. But you said rewind a couple of decades, Frederick. I could re rewind a half a century. That's true. I mean, it's sixty a half a century and and thirteen years. Wow. But but, wow. but it, I think what keeps you young uh, at heart is learning. You know, there's a Buddhist saying, "Learning is health." And I think as long as we keep learning and we keep growing, we'll be doing okay. Right. Yeah. I mean, when you stop learning, you know, it's over. Yeah. And that's one of the things I want to talk to you about. Um, And one one of you just said the the whole learning piece of it on the show, we've been talking or one of the the previous episodes, we were talking about the idea that photographers tend to be myopic when it comes to the gear that they're using and their operating system on their computer and the phone that, you know, all this stuff becomes almost religion. Like, oh, you're a X shooter or you are a Apple guy or you're a Windows guy or, you know. Why Why do you think, you know, not to spend too much time on that, but why do you think photographers feel the need to self-identify into groups and and then, you know, kind of crap on the other people <laughs> that don't <laughs> use what they use? Well, I find I find that's actually becoming less and less. Yeah. But, you know, you know, back, uh, you know, when you're talking about decades, it was, you know, oh, I'm this shooter, I'm that shooter, you know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, well, there's a lot of great equipment out there. And I think, you know, you know, the, you know, the expression, cameras don't take pictures, you know, people do. And, and this is true. Uh, but I find that people, and but it's the same thing with, it's almost, <clears throat> this isn't happening as much, but it was like Photoshop and Lightroom. Oh, I only use Lightroom. I only use Photoshop, right? So you could use both of these things. They, they were, they're all tools. Yeah. And I think whatever feels good, you know, I don't know if you could see it, but I have my uh, Fender Stratocaster guitar over here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, some of my friends, Gibson's the only way to go. You know, right. I so think it's every what, industry is like that. Then, right? I think every tennis, right? Yes. You know, with the tennis rackets. So I think whatever you're comfortable with. But, uh, you know, I think once you start with something, if you stick with that, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's a good idea. But yeah, yeah. Start with something, stick with it, learn it inside and out until it becomes an extension of yourself. But 
but don't talk about other people because they're using something that right. you're not using. <laughs> well, I, I'm a funny, you know, I'm a, I'm a canon explorer of light, right? Yeah. So I, I'm teaching a workshop out in, Bo, in Bosque del Apache. Most people say Bosque. Mm-hmm. So a <clears throat> person comes one morning, she has like a 400 millimeter Nikon lens, and she couldn't get the lens cap off. So I'm trying to get the lens cap off. I'm trying, I'm trying. I have one of those things that, you know, you put over for cans. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> then I realized that Nikon goes the other way. <laughs> So you were right. tightening it. <laughs> so and I got it all. There you go. Yeah. yeah, even those decisions. And that was probably a conscious decision at Nikon to like, you know what, which way do their threads go? Let's do right. the reverse for our stuff. Right. <laughs> so let's talk about business a little bit, sure. Rick, you know, and just sort of diversification. Photographers, f- photography is one of the, if not the fastest growing hobby in the United States, at least right now, maybe the world, who knows, but Mm -hmm. at least the United States is growing like gangbusters, lots of new blood coming in and lots of people that are thinking like, hmm, you know what? I can make a living from this. If I, you know, if I shoot, like say, if I go into weddings and I charge five grand, if I just do two a weekend and I do, you know, two weekends a month, I'm golden. I'm making more than my regular salary. Um, is that a path that people can go? Because what I'm hearing from other folks, um, yourself included, in previous times that we spoke, that that's not necessarily the way to go. It's more about diversification. What, what would you say to that? Well, you know, you've heard me say, uh, Frederick, that my specialty is not specializing. Yes. <laughs> and <clears throat> for me, it works. Uh, you know, I've been around a while. I used to know food photographers who would make five, eight thousand dollars a day. Now, food photographers, you know, make, you know, you, you get a good food photographer, he makes like $1,000 a day. The fashion industry in New York City, these guys used to make $10,000 a day. They're not doing this anymore. You know, some people, Annie Leibovitz, you know, is still, of course, yeah. you know, riding, riding high. Mm-hmm. But for all the other people, you know, you mentioned the wedding photographers. I was talking to someone in Florida. They said the average price of a wedding, you know, to shoot editorial style, you know, just give them the, the DVD, is 500 bucks. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this is this burn. is going. Yep. So my philosophy and my recommendation to young people is, you know, first follow your heart, and you know, if you follow your heart, if you, if you love what you do, the money will come later because you'll you'll get good at at what you do. Yeah. But I feel diversifying for me is uh, has worked. We were talking before that my father's uh, one of my father's expressions was it takes a lot of peanuts to feed an elephant. Yes. So if you make a few peanuts from ebooks, it's very easy to do ebooks now, right? Uh, uh, what's his name? David Dushman. Yeah, yeah. He, he has like a whole line. He has dozens and dozens of ebooks, yeah. and he has other Craft people coming. Yeah, Craft and Vision. He's doing great with that. So ebooks are a way to go. I do apps. I have books. Do workshops. Do speaking things. Uh, sweep floors. <laughs> well, actually, mow lawns. Mow, well, actually, I, there's a video on Google Plus I put on me mowing the lawn to show that, you know, I actually like to relax every once in a while. It's, it's on Google Plus I put up just me going across with the lawnmower. Cool. But, but anyway, I think uh, diversifying, because if you, have, if you have all your eggs in one basket, you know, I know, wedding, I know studio photographers, I know wedding photographers who've had to close their studios. Because the business has shrunk. But if you diversify, rather than having all your eggs in one basket, you know, if something goes away, then you still have these other things. Yeah. But it's a massive juggling act. And a lot of the people I know who are successful are doing a lot of things. And the key today, I think, is uh, social media, being on all the different social media uh, 
uh, networks. Yeah, I want to and, talk about how you manage that too. And then and when you say diversification, the analogy. And by the way, that your 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 dad's phrase of how to feed an elephant, you know, yeah. that whole piece. We we mentioned you in episode three two three of Twip, and I named the episode how to feed an elephant based on the conversation that we had. Oh. Well, I, I have to listen to that because it's true. You know, you, you can go for the big bucks, but if you do all these little things, and it's actually it's kind of fun. Yeah. It's actually yeah. kind of fun diversifying. And again, it keeps you young. And I also think what you learn in one area, you could learn in another area. Yeah. So say, you know, if you want to diversify, say you got good at close-up photography and you photograph flowers and butterflies, you probably get good at photographing food, too, and products. Mm -hmm. So what you learn in one area, especially in photography, I think can help you in these other, in these other areas. Yep. And it turns out light behaves the same, whether it's bouncing off food or a face or a landscape, That's right. right? That's yeah. right. It's yep. all about, so I tell people, every picture you've ever taken has one main element, light. You break that down. Every photograph you've ever taken has two sub-elements. It's highlights and shadows. And if we learn how to, like, one of the reasons why your set looks good there, uh, it's not really a set, but it looks like a set, is because it's well lit. You have the light in the background. The blinds are open. We have nice shadows. You're standing out, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's not by accident, by the way. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Well, you, you do this uh, a lot more than I do. I just have my little light here. But look, if I turn this off, get out of the way. You know, it's not as good, right? Yep. So, yep. My yep. little fill light. One of, the, one of the analogies that I use for diversification is mm -hmm. the submarine analogy. You know, military submarine where the, the submarine, it's a tube that goes underwater, right? Um, but if they made it one big tube and mm -hmm. it took a, a torpedo hit, the whole thing would sink. So right. what they do is they compartmentalize it into several compartments that you see you, when you see the movies and people are going through these doors yeah, right, where they right, got to right. turn the thing. Right, yeah, right. those are pressure chambers so that if you hit, if you get hit by a submarine or by a torpedo, torpedo. that section floods right. and the rest stay okay, intact, so you can keep going. Same with multiple revenue streams. If you have a bunch of revenue streams coming in, not just your corporate job, which would be analogous to one tube, then with the one tube analogy, you get laid off. Your whole submarine floods and you're screwed, right? But you I'm know, gonna use, I'm going to use that. Yeah, it's true, right? Now, if you have multiple streams coming in and one of your streams or clients decides that, you know what, our budgets got cut, we can't handle that, you take a hit, but you're not going to sink, right? And yeah. that's what you're doing. So I want to talk about the, your, the different compartments mm -hmm. that make up Rick Salmon. So what sure. are they, first of all? <laughs> You're like, oh, uh, how much time do you got? <laughs> no, no, no. It's, well, I, I do a lot of speaking. Uh, I really enjoy speaking. So mm -hmm. I think I give probably 12 or 14 free seminars a year. Mm -hmm. I do uh, probably six or eight workshops. I have books. I have apps. Uh, I sell prints. Uh, I, I forget what else I do, but, but those, those are the main things. Wow. So those then are the main do, you, do you have, is, it, is this all you managing it with like a master calendar? Do you have an <laughs> assistant or an intern or a significant other that's taking care of that stuff for my, you? My, my wife does all the uh, bookkeeping and everything. Good. But good. Uh, I think uh, <clears throat> if you love what you do, you know, Tony Bennett said, if you love what you do, you never have to work a day in your life. Yes. Yep. Yes, but I'm trying to figure out why I'm still working my butt off <laughs> because I love what I do. <laughs> well, you're doing both. I'm doing both, but it, it is uh, it is fun. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's a juggling act. Like I was telling you before we came on, going on away for about uh, a month, just home for a day with two workshops. Yep. So I'm planning out all this other stuff. But you know, one, one piece of advice that I'd give to people starting out 
when you're going after new clients, rather than going for the big bang up front, try to establish long-term relationships. Mm -hmm. And that's what I do. I, I try to do that. You know, someone comes to me for this type of job, I, I say, okay, I could, you know, get maybe more money right here, but I want to be working with these guys for the next, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. for the next several years. So I, I think thinking long-term and always thinking about, you know, what's, what's good, what's best for the client, what's, what's best for them, how, how can they benefit? So uh, let's talk about the education, because of the things that you mentioned, speaking, workshops, apps, um, uh, aside from prints, you know, that's mm -hmm. that's more visual. Um, but I'm seeing a theme of education through all mm -hmm. this. And you're obviously a master educator. You're a canon explorer of light. You know okay. your stuff. So how yeah. the, the photographers that are they're listening to this are like, yeah, I would love to diversify, but I'm no Rick Salmon. You know, I don't have that name yeah. and that following. So if I put out an ebook. It's like a tree falling in the forest, and you know, no one's going to hear it. Rip puts out an ebook, everyone hears it and goes buy goes to buy it. How do they manage that? Well, you know, by the way, I left out online training. I think oh. I have like five or six uh, Kelby classes. Right. I have a new class on a company called Craftsy. So the online training is really big. But getting back to that person who puts out the ebook, <clears throat> I go on Twitter and Facebook and, and Google Plus, and I look for talented people. And I send him an email. I say, <clears throat> would you like to be a guest blogger? I mean, I had a firefighter uh, do a guest blog recently. I had a, a fellow in Chicago, uh, Chris O'Hare. Uh, he did a guest blog. So if you have an ebook, don't be shy. You know, the, every photo almost every photographer you know is a heck of a nice guy, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we're here almost. to help. <laughs> almost, right. <laughs> this is a private joke. So anyway, we, we all started somewhere, right? Yeah. And you do meet the same people on the way up as you meet on the same down. And I'm more than happy if anyone's listening. If you have an ebook, it's ricksalmon at mac.com. Send me, send me the ebook. Yeah. Send me a little note first with maybe a link yeah. rather than, you know, an 87 megabyte or gigabyte file. Yes. But, you know, and I know uh, Scott Kelby has guest bloggers. A lot of people I know have guest bloggers. And it's really a great feeling to help. You make someone really happy who's you know, on their way up and not known. You give them a shot at a guest blog, and it means a lot. So Yeah, that's, that's really good advice. And, and I'll just piggyback on that, that people, I don't know if it's human nature or what. I haven't figured it out yet. <clears throat> but it seems like people are just, they, they don't try. Right. They're afraid to ask is a better yeah. way to, to put it. So the either like, for example, people that want to maybe come on Twip or something, you know, yeah, we get a lot of requests, but not that many from from different <laughs> photographers. And people assume when they do email me, they're like, well, I know it's a shot in the dark, but I that thought, right. I would, you know, like, you know, but it still doesn't hurt. It's like it costs you nothing to ask or to say, hey, you know, Rick has exposed himself or not exposed himself. He's made himself available on Google Plus. Yeah. So let me let me see if I can send him a message, you know, and see if maybe I could guess blog on his site. You know, it doesn't hurt anything. It doesn't cost anything. And yeah. you're available. Right. So why not try? And a lot of the pros I know are available like that. We, we want to help. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, so, and, uh, yeah, well, we have people on, uh, you know, on my own podcast. You're, we're going to record a segment on, uh, after this on, with you on my podcast, which is going to be a ton of fun. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. And going to, uh, shows like Photoshop World and that networking and giving, I know it's archaic, but give someone a card. Yeah. You know, and if you have, if you have a, a good looking card, I just had some cards made up. Don't know if you could see it. It has a nice little picture of an African, uh, oh, took, very nice. Yeah. Took in tree. Kenya. But anyway, um, 
yeah, networking is good. Don't be afraid to ask because we all started somewhere. And if you forget where you started, then you're in trouble. You yeah. know, I have a sign over my desk. You can't see it. I'm going to tone it down so it's a good thing you can't see it. <laughs> but the sign says, don't believe your own PR. <laughs> so I substitute. <laughs> yes. But that, right? I mean, you, you can't. We, like we were saying before, Frederick, you know, you could take your work seriously, but once you start uh, taking yourself seriously, oh, you know, if you paraded like uh, all the uh, Photoshop World instructors, you know, down Croton on Hudson, New York, or uh, or Fifth Avenue, you know, maybe Joe McNally would be recognized, but that's about it, right? Right, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, and it's, yeah, you're right, because it's, and it's a crowd of people that recognize each other inside right. this. I mean, we get insulated, like, oh, you know, this right, person's right. famous because they have whatever thousand or whatever million followers right. on Google Plus and then you step take one little half step outside of the the, the niche of photography and you're like who are you? Right. <laughs> you know, I don't right. know who you are, you know. Ah. So yeah, it's really all this stuff is is really really interesting. So then um so quick takeaways from this. So yep. folks are watching this and um you know, let's say let's paint a picture. It's a it's a wedding shooter He's got a corporate job right now, making a good amount of money, which is would be poverty line in Silicon Valley, actually. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so let's say six figures, you know, which is poverty yeah, right. line in Silicon Valley. Um, so he's making a good amount of money, but loves photography, only casually likes his job and wants to make his way into being a professional photographer full time. Not sure how to do it. Keeps hearing things about the number of small businesses that fail from the SBA, you know, and thinks there's no chance that he would do it. So he's going to keep it in the hobby category. If he wants to move in the direction of what you're doing, is it what, what would his next step be? Let's, and let's throw in the caveat that he's already, he understands photography. He's a, he's a decent photographer, right. knows his way around the camera. Well, I worked in advertising from 1980 to 1990, again, before you were born. <laughs> I was born way before then. <laughs> anyway, 1980. And I knew in, 19, in 1995 I wanted to get out. So I started saving. So to answer your question, I would have a cush. Mm -hmm. if, if that person has a full-time job, I'd have a cush, like three, maybe a five-year cush. So you don't have to worry. If you have to worry about money, then you're going to have to start doing things you don't want to do. It's not going to be as much fun yeah. and whatever. But I think having that, having that cush and you know, making a business plan. A lot of people say, oh, I'm going to be a photographer. Well, what's your plan? And they have no yeah. plan. Who are your so clients going to be? Where's your market? How much are you going right. to charge? How long? What are you going to promote it? What do your promotions consist of? You know, what are you going to use right. to promote? All that stuff. Yeah. How much is gear going to cost? Yeah. Right. Uh, and do I need, uh, you know, workman's compensation? Do I need, you know, all these different types of insurance? Yeah. You know, I have I have insurance that, you know, if, um, if I break my hand, you know, I'm covered. Yeah. But, you know, and, and this type of insurance, uh, you know, disability insurance is not cheap. Right. right. You know. Yeah. So Neither you have to factor all that in. So then you go back to that paper napkin where the yeah. person says, yeah, I could shoot if I charge five grand a wedding and right. I shoot two a weekend. All that stuff that you just mentioned is doing the little Pac-Man into that, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that money, right? But, you know, we're laughing, we're having a good time, and, and all the photographers come on your show, they're happy. You see Scott Kelby, all these guys at the gray, you know, everyone's, everyone's having a great time. But all these guys are really, they have something in common, and they're really good business people. Yep. And you have to look at this as a business. And I look at workshops as a business. I will look at apps. I look at everything of course, I like to have a lot of fun, but if you look at things from a business standpoint, you'll, you'll make smart 
business decisions, and you hopefully you won't lose your shirt on something. Yeah, and, and you have a very nice shirt on. I should have gotten yeah. dressed up for this. I dressed up because I was talking. To, I'm talking to the Godfather. I mean, you don't show up, you know, dressed down, talking to royalty. So, okay. <laughs> so, so you know, what I was going to say is, um, you know, with with all that, you know, you're. Uh, you, know, you the, that photographer that I just mentioned has gone down the road. He's learned what he's doing. You know, he knows how to shoot and figured out all the math and the business model behind all this stuff. Then what, right? So then what? Because I, I look at the, the stand, I look at it from the standpoint of like what you just said, having a business plan and understanding mm-hmm. business and approaching things from a business perspective. Right. Um, but then you factor in social media. And you become a pariah if you go in there waving, hey, I'm selling this. You know, yeah. oh, you know, people, it's like showing up at a party and trying to be in the person selling flowers in, you right. know, to, to, <laughs> to yeah. couples at the party. Nothing wrong with that, but you don't want to be that, perceived as that person. So how do you reconcile, I'm a business person and I'm laser focused on generating income from something I love with social media, which you just said is like a major part of all this, but it's a big party and you can't be selling stuff there. How do you, how do you put those two together? Well, I, I, I think the formula for social media is it's like five to one. Mm-hmm. So you could put out stuff like, you know, like I'm big on education, as you kindly mentioned. So I'm constantly putting out educational stuff, but, you know, I will put out something. You know, I'm doing a workshop here or just like the other photographers. So I'm promoting it that way. But <clears throat> yet, there's a great book. I should have had it in the back. It's called Free hmm. by... Uh, Is that uh, by Chris Anderson? That's it. Free Chris by Anderson, Chris... Yeah, editor of Wired, or former yeah, and, editor. I don't know if he's still doing that. And what he talks about is that you have to give away stuff for free mm-hmm. in order to make money. Yeah. <laughs> now, that may not make sense, but like I'm a... It's pretty cold here in January, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I go to Florida. So I have three, three workshops, but I also have three free seminars. So I'm giving these free seminars all around Florida, which is like a nice thing, right? Yeah. But I'm also, I got to make money, so I'm giving the workshops. So I can promote the free workshops and the free seminars and the workshops at the same time. So I'm giving away something. Yeah. So people people want stuff for free these days. Yeah, that's uh, that's, that's absolutely right. And there's um in in internet marketing and just marketing in general, <clears throat> there's the concept of reciprocity. And that's the just we're all hardwired in our brains to mm-hmm. if somebody gives you something, you feel if you're a decent person, you feel <laughs> like you should repay them somehow. And mm-hmm. you know, it was a book that I was reading. I'll have to dig it up, and I forget what the name of it was, but it was talking about the Hari Krishnas, you mm-hmm. know, and how they, you know, there's a it's a the organization, religious organization that if you're like walking through some airports, they'll give you a flower, and then yep. after you accept the flower, right, they ask for a donation. That's right. a, a really good example of reciprocity because most people, if they don't take the flower and someone just says, hey, could, would you like to give me a donation? They're like, no, you know, I'm not going to give you anything. But if you took that flower, then you'll feel somehow compelled right. to give them something for it, you know, that's and that's good. reciprocity at work. Yeah, right yeah. And that translates to marketing like in ebook land, right, where people say, hey, you know, or even like my podcast, for example, it's free. You know, right. giving it out, giving away for free. There's 
there's no donations or anything right. yet involved with <laughs> So there's nothing involved with paying for TWIP, but you should see the mail that I get from people that are just so appreciative and they're like, wow, this is great. You've changed my life. This is awesome. And that's my payment. But it's, you know, it's that reciprocity. Them sending that email makes them feel, you know, they feel like they have to give back. But you have sponsors for the show, right? Correct. Yep. So, and that's that's the other thing I want to talk about. And we have sponsors for our podcast. Every successful photographer right now, and this is one thing that I think maybe young photographers want to strive for. And we talked about it. There's a lot of similarities in other businesses like tennis. Every tennis player has a lot of sponsors, right? Every photographer, every race car drivers have a ton of sponsors with all those, you know, patches all over their <laughs> outfits. And, you know, every photographer has sponsors. So how do you get sponsors? Well, if you write 36 books and you work hard and you get your name out there and you have a lot of followers, you know, there's something called tweet value. Do you know about tweet value? No, tell me about it. Yeah, if you go go on uh, go on like uh, go on the web and type in tweet value, you mm-hmm. type in your name. And it tells you the value value of your tweet based on the number of followers. Well, no, for you, I'm sure it'll come up like $3,000 or something like that. But again, about the sign, don't believe, right, your own stuff. But the more followers you have, the more uh, value you are to a a manufacturer or a company that provides a a service. So striving for... You know, you look on all the photographers' homepage, you look at their sponsors. They have a lot of sponsors. Mm -hmm. And, And, but again... It has to work. What 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 can you know? What can you do for them, and what can they do for you? And yeah. it's different. And you're you're describing what I what a lot of people call is the attention economy that we're in, right? I mean, you <laughs> like if you have a gang of people, it's very simple, right? You have a gang of people that listen to and hang on to your words and respect what you're saying. Then people that want to reach those people will work with you. Right. So (laughs) that's the attention economy. And if you it works both ways, too, because if like, I don't know, I was having I was having some issues with a uh, let's say an entity that was doing some repairs on my home. Right. And they were being less (laughs) let's just say they were being less than ethical about what they were trying to charge. So I sent out a tweet, you know, and I just called them out a little bit. Not not too hard, you know, and I waited and would you know it? response directly from the you know the upper management because they saw what he's got this many followers or whatever we better address this quickly right yeah so in the same it's the reverse works with sponsorship because people like you know xyz giant corporation says hey look at rick salmon we have this product that we need to get in front of photographers he has this giant audience path of of least resistance is rick salmon let's (laughs) let's see if we can't work with him in addition to those numbers, like there are people out there who have a lot of numbers. There mm-hmm. are people out there who buy those numbers. Yep. You know, you could buy these things called Twitter farms. You could buy all these numbers. I think you could buy Google numbers now too. But it all comes down to your reputation. Yeah. I don't. I don't want one people, one person coming on my workshops, one person <clears throat> coming on my seminar saying they didn't have a great time. Yeah. I had a psychologist friend. Uh, a while ago, he said, Rick, if you were given a presentation in, in uh, Yankee Stadium and 10,000 people stood up and cheered, Rick Sam is the greatest. And one person stood up and said, Rick Sam, Rick Salmon sucks. I'd go home feeling bad. And I would. So and I think and also getting back to that thank you economy, you have to treat everyone who comes, everyone who reads anything you post, anyone who, who comes to your website, you have to treat them like you have like a bakery. You know, you're making muffins in your neighborhood, and you want that person to leave feeling good. Yeah. And you really have to respect the audience. Yeah. And, and you really have to love the audience, too. 
I love it. Love it. Salient advice from the <laughs> Godfather here. <laughs> do Do we have one more minute? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Getting back to social media, you really have to love photography, and I think today. I, a lot of photographers got, are getting into this to be famous. Mm-hmm. And it's not because they, they're more involved in, hey, I'm a photographer, uh, rather than, you know, I love photography. Mm-hmm. Back in 1978, I did a whole bunch of series of interviews. This is with uh, Arthur Rothstein. The he was world a, is uh, my studio, I'm reading. Yeah, okay. he, he was, you know, a Life Look magazine photographer. He, uh, he was in the Farm Security Administration. He did the uh, photograph, the, uh, the dust balls. I did Andre Feininger, uh, Scavulo, all these people uh, that were really interested in photography. Mm-hmm. And they weren't these personalities, you know, and with the, all these followers and, and whatever. They really loved photography. You talk to these people, it was all about photography. Yeah. I, I did a workshop recently with um, uh, John Sexton, Ansel Adams, one of Ansel Adams' assistants. Heck of a nice guy, by the way. A great guest for your podcast. He still shoots film. Cool. But anyway, <clears throat> he loves photography. Yeah. And it, it was refreshing to see, to talk to someone just about photography. Of course, I'm involved in all the social media and, and all this other stuff. But I think if you're going to get into this and if you want to last a long time, you have to love photography. And it can't be, oh, I have all these followers and the big social media star. Yeah, you got to do it for the right reasons, and the right yeah. reasons is the love. I mean, yeah, what you're saying is like everyone, you know, I respect amateurs a lot, right? Because yeah. because the, the very definition of the word amateur means for the love of. You're doing something for the love of. Right. Pro means you get paid for it. You're doing it right. because you're getting paid. <laughs> right? Yeah. But amateur means, you know, you could be every bit as good as a pro. You're just not making money from it. Right? right. And those, those are the people that have those conversations that you could talk to for hours about light and exposure and composition yeah. and not so much about, you know, their business model and balance yeah. sheets and stuff like it's, that. It's magic to them. Yeah. It's yep. magic to them. Yep. Cool. Well, Rick, where, where would you like folks to uh, to head online to check out all these different octopus tentacles that you have going on? <laughs> well, it's just my website, ricksalmon.com. Uh, everyone who comes to uh, my workshops or seminars, I say, is a student for life, which means they could email me questions for life. Nice. So any of your listeners who have any questions, they could email me. If there's anyone listening who ever sent me an email that I didn't answer, I'd be surprised. Meaning, I mean, I can say that with confidence because I actually answer all the emails. And this is you personally. This isn't yeah. Rick Sam. No, 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 no. This is this is this is the staff, right? <laughs> Look at that. I love it. Yeah, just like my staff. Look at all right, these people right. back there. <laughs> That's great. Well, thanks a lot, Rick. I appreciate your time today. Hey, you're always fun, and thank you so much. All right. Take care. See you.